significant part in, in the service so far, and, uh, and, and welcome to everyone who's joined us this morning. It is good to see so many of you here with us. Well, perhaps I've watched a bit too much Peppa Pig. I can imagine an episode of Peppa in which the dialogue goes, Peppa loves babies. George loves babies. Everyone loves babies. Cue the ubiquitous music soundtrack. Because everyone does love babies. I suppose there are a few exceptions to prove the rule. The arrival of a baby is an exciting time. The parents have been excited by the prospect of the new addition to their family for almost nine months. They've been making preparations, organising all the things that they need to take care of their new child. The house has been reorganised. The extended family joins the excitement. Friends, even strangers, share their joy at the wonder of new life. It's really exciting and it's really ordinary. Every day, 850 babies are born in Australia. Every day, 915,000 babies are born across the world. Those babies bring joy and hope to their parents, provoke thoughts about their future, what they'll be like, what special qualities they'll have, what challenges they'll face. But for the rest of the world, those who even notice the birth quickly move on. And on the face of it, there's nothing particularly unusual about the birth of Jesus. Another baby born to a poor, displaced family trying to make the best of their circumstances. Some random visitors making comments about such a wonderful baby. And a mother treasuring the memories of the birth and the surrounding events in her heart. You might think that there's nothing to see here. That it's time to move on. It's got nothing to do with me. But, and it's a very big but, all of this overlooks one very important part of the picture, the father. He'd been excited about the birth of his son for a very long time, not a mere nine months, not several years, but since the dawn of creation. He'd been making preparations on a grand scale to ensure that everything would be ready for the advent. The heralds of this birth had been sent out hundreds of years in advance, as we read this morning. The decisions that shaped the course of history had been predicated on his plans for this baby. His plans for the birth, Jono, had special lighting. The attendance of international dignitaries and choirs that were out of this world to announce the glad tidings of this new arrival. And the father's mind was also focused on the future, full of hope and plans for his son. Throughout the course of most of history, 
the universal hope of all parents for their firstborn son has been that he will grow into and take on the family enterprise, that he would have a family of his own and that life will be just a little easier for him than it has been for them. Hopes that the parents devote themselves to turning into reality. And the father's plan for this child had many of the same elements. The father's plan was that the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And my slides have gone ahead of me. Okay, let's go to that. But the father, who had been anticipating this birth from the dawn of creation, knew that the path to the realisation of that plan, what it was like, a pathway of rejection and exclusion, even at his birth, there was no room for him in the inn. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The father knew that his son would lead a hard and difficult life, that he would often have nowhere to sleep, that those who should have recognised him for who he was would disown him and reject him. The father knew that his son's journey would lead to the indignity, pain and suffering of the cross. So why the excitement? Why the heavenly celebration? Why are we here some 2,000 years later remembering the birth of this single child born in Bethlehem? We celebrate because it's a family birthday, because we too are children of the father. The father's hopes for this baby were centred around us. Jesus was already one with the father. He had been involved in the very act of creation. There was nothing in the father's possession that was withheld from him. And yet, for our sakes, Jesus, being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father's whole purpose for his Son was that through him we could be reconciled to God, being justly pardoned for our wrongdoing, counted as pure and blameless and adopted into God's family. That's the glad tidings that the angels were singing about on the day of Jesus' birth. That was the great promise that Mary treasured in her heart. And it's the wonderful news that the world needs to hear today. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So as we continue this service, as we gather afterwards to enjoy time together, as you meet with family and friends today, don't let the celebration get in the way of remembering the reason for the celebration. Instead, it's my prayer that each of us will be excited to share the good news of the child whose birth we're celebrating, that we would be like the shepherds who returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather here today and remember the good news of the birth of the Lord Jesus, give you thanks that he came as a tiny baby, as a servant, to teach us about you and to give his life for us. We thank you, Father, that through him we can have eternal life, that we can be cleansed and made whole and adopted into your family. Heavenly Father, we pray that today you would fill us with the full measure of that joy and excitement at these glad tidings, that we would be excited to share what you have done through that baby born today, well, 2,000 years ago. That we'd be excited to share that good news with all around us, that they too might share in the wonder of your forgiveness and grace found through the Lord Jesus. Amen.